0: Welcome to Tiz Talk. Welcome to Tiz Talk. I'm Mary Myers. And I'm Julianne Murphy. This is the week beginning 13th of February. We start with news of a local relief effort to help with the devastating earthquake in Turkey.
1: Everywhere is destroyed. if you imagine the whole of, I don't know, Warminster suddenly going overnight. Yeah. You know, it's that scale which it beggars belief.
2: Then, more memories of old Tisbury from Christine Gray.
3: Ten shillings went a long way then. So I gave mum the ten shillings and I kept the pound.
0: Simon Davison, chair of the Tisbury Parish Council, will give us an update on Station
1: Works crowdfunding appeal. It's been fantastic. As we speak, the total donated stands at about £8,000. And after our
2: what's-ons with Liz Colcamp, we end with answers to last week's mystery bird, and then we give you another little bit of bird song to guess. Now, you might be as surprised as I was to realize there's a relief agency in our midst, and it's helping right now with the earthquake in Turkey. I went down to the former RAF buildings in Chilmark to meet Luke Cox.
1: I'm Luke Cox, I'm the UK Ops Manager for REACT Disaster Response, which is a national disaster response charity who do UK Ops um, and we also deploy abroad to disasters. We use military style or military uh, practices um, and adapt them to humanitarian principles and humanitarian work so the earthquake hits early hours of, um, I think it was Monday morning. The only barrier really to get them out is what, how quickly can we get a flight? Yes. You know, he's ready to go literally straight away. And, and where to? It's the nearest one to get into the actual disaster zone. In oh, Turkey? Turkey? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you can't just rush into these things, OK? It's chaotic by its nature and traumatic. Uh, so the first thing to do is, is go on there with a very light footprint and just understand what is it they need, not what we think we can give them, but what do they need? And then working with the Turkish authorities all the time, looking for partner volunteer groups who are there on the ground now, not ones who aspire, but who's there doing it now? Well, and
2: people like, what, the Turkish Red Crescent?
1: Uh, Red Crescent are there, but actually it's um, AFAD, I think they call it, a really good Turkish uh, disaster response set up there, and they kick in straight away. I mean, the scale of this would overmatch any country, I don't care who it is this is, this is. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but they've kicked in straight away. This a huge problem. All we do with them is ask them how we can help, and they direct. Obviously, complete respect for the country's authority. We're only there by their invitation. Um, other charities out there, the big one we're sort of working with at the moment is called SOS Attitude, which is French, and they provide shelter. And they've already got hundreds of tents, thousands of sleeping bags, and other equipment to go out there. Um, the other groups that are there en masse, as you imagine, are the Search and Rescue, so they're there anyway, uh, deployment from Europe, to the United States, Britain, obviously. However, many people have sadly been trapped, there's an exponential amount who've been dehomed. Okay? You can imagine if it was here in Chilmark if, and Tisbury, if it suddenly got flattened everywhere, every single building damaged, yeah. what would you do? This is overnight, right? It's, it's unbelievable. instant.
2: It's, not, yeah, it's in, unimaginable. And it's
1: minus 10? Get yeah, yeah, up close. into the mountains, probably lower. Yes. Um, and they've got uh, to deal with dead uh, loved ones, relatives, yeah. mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. So they're trying to help them help themselves. Mm. Um, but they, they need shelter, they need food, they need potable water, because yes. you know, all the sewage the systems would have collapsed. And of course, trying to get medical help to them, medical equipment they can use as well. Oh, yeah.
2: So what are your volunteers that are going out tonight actually taking with them? They're obviously taking their skills, like their medics.
1: Yeah, that's no, a very good question. We discussed before this, the sort of volunteers we've got are veteran blue lighters, we call them, so nurses, fire officers, police officers. They've got a good grounding in dealing with public and traumatic circumstances and medical skills, for example. Um, and ex-military veterans, very similar in terms of what they've been trained to do and what they're used to. So that in terms of skill sets, that's what we're putting out there. Um, entirely self-sufficient we do not have an impact on the ground so they they will live out in the sticks in out of their rucksacks what they take with them tents absolutely yeah tents um, it's what they can fit in their bags you are self-sufficient out of your bergen so out of your rucksack and that's everything food equipment to treat water so you're not going there and then drawing from the locals Uh, they don't they're not sort of into a hotel and wait you know they're straight out Um, they're hardest to reach which is one of our mantras is they are right now going out to isolated villages that uh, the Turks have asked us to look at, mm. checking the roads, you know, how, how can people get in later.
2: What about transport? How do you get to these remote villages?
1: But it's difficult. Uh, and again, that's something we specialise in, is these difficult circumstances. So they look to use locals. Uh, there may be still taxis running, um, looking for it's Quite often, the Turks will offer um, anywhere we go. the tends the locals will offer help with vehicles where they can.
2: Yes, and you pay for that, obviously. Yeah, yeah, on the ground. They,
1: yeah. Sometimes not. I mean, quite often they'll go. Here's the keys. Just go, mate. You know, um, right. the key to success over there are, are the locals. Yes. absolutely, hundred yes, percent. And you'll find them doing everything they can to help. That's right, so they're going to turn to help with the earthquake um, victims. Uh, There's 16 of them going out today, of which three are the, what we call, response teams. Teams of four, leader, medic, um, and a log specialist, but they've all got specialisms. They're all ex-military or ex-blue light, so nurses, uh, fire officers, that sort of thing, and ex-military, who are used to operating in austere environments. The international teams tend to be drawn from across the country and we put out a request for the team of 16 now and then a follow-on team of uh, 12 and then another follow-on team ready and we had over 65 people volunteer to get on it so we're not short of really engaged really passionate people who want to help so actually to get to international responder you have to pass a foundation course you do a dbs check we do interviews uh, with them they do an assessment And then they have to do the UK Ops course, um, which doesn't contain a lot of the austere stuff you do for international. And if they're good on there, then they can apply to do the international course. So there's a series of checks all the way through, and we see a lot of them. See a lot of them on task in UK, where you get a real feel for how people are engaging with the public in a traumatic environment. So they'll have most of the people's paths here be at least a year before they're able to go. Yes, Mary, so um, we work in UK. I've been doing for a long time. well, forever, really, but COVID really upset. So it we went from very, very few jobs in the UK, probably because we weren't very well known, to over 120. So it was an exponential growth over that year. And we remain very engaged. So we're working with hospitals at the moment. Uh, internationally, um, obviously, we've been involved in Ukraine right from the start. So basically two days after the invasion, again, Reki's out there to Poland. But we were, we're in partnership with the Ukrainian education platform, who actually trans, they transformed into delivering food. So, we've had uh, tens of thousands of food packs delivered via them. Um, and we've also, in Dnipro, doing a hot food programme for displaced people. In Ukraine? In Ukraine, yeah. That will carry on going.
2: So, number of staff, number of volunteers?
1: Yeah. Um, about 2,000 on our books in terms of volunteers. Oh, really? And permanent staff, we, we do everything we can to keep a light footprint. So, we're not we're spending money where it needs to be spent so we've only got about 20 staff here
2: and how many of your staff live locally are you Hi. local <laughs> here yeah. Yeah. i'm a
1: long devil man now i oh, sorry i retired after the uh, army and my wife's a local nurse so she's district nurse uh, locally um up in warminster um ria and megan live pretty really close and ben lives down in somerset so uh, although ceo toby lives up in bristol um so it's a bit of a way away for him
2: how big is this earthquake emergency for you is it like the biggest deployment that you've ever done
1: i can't think of a more a greater disaster anyway everywhere's destroyed you imagine the whole of i don't know warminster suddenly going overnight yeah you know it's that scale which it beggars belief yeah of course all we're doing is trying to help any way we can i mean we're not no one's a savior but it's all collegiate the more good organisations there that can help the Turks, the, the more people we can save. And yeah. That's all we're trying to do.
2: Well, good luck with it all.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for coming down, Mary. And thanks to Tisbury and Shilmark. got a great relationship around here. We've always, we've always felt well supported by you guys. Um, but uh, you'll probably see us knocking around in the React van and our T-shirts. Just say hi.
2: Yeah, we will do. <laughs> and if you'd like to find out more and even donate to the earthquake relief effort, go to wwwree dot that's re tis talk a podcast from tisbury on
0: in the third part of christine Gray's memories of tisbury we hear about christine's school days and starting work at the age of 15. so you were born just as the war ended yes Did your parents talk about wartime here? Uh, Were they affected by it at all? I don't think
3: they were affected by the war exactly. Hardly at all, I wouldn't think. I think there were a couple of aeroplanes that did crash. But apart from that, no. Mum worked extra long hours in the laundry because... When the troops were here, of course, they used to do the troops washing as well. So so she worked extra hours there. And Dad was in the fire brigade. Dad was in the fire brigade and... um, that was in the wartime, and I suppose twice a week they used to go down to Bristol or Southampton to help the fires. Did they? Yeah, and then come back, and I think they, you know, had a couple of hours rest maybe and went on to work again. Were you an only child? Yes, unfortunately, And um, but I had an, I had a nice childhood. As I say, we lived up over the old co-op, and we had massive amount of ground at the back, so my father always kept chickens... About 200 chickens, yes.
0: That's a lot of chickens.
3: And the eggs, yes. And did and he sell the chickens or...? He didn't sell the chickens, he sold the eggs. Right. They used to go to the packing station. Where was that? I think it was Gillingham. Oh, OK. Um, but at the end of the month, of course, he had a, tre- a check and that was something to look forward to because we could have coloured lemonade. They <laughs> didn't have lemonade at all, you know, and not like they do today. So you went to school in Tisbury? I went to school in Tisbury up until I was nine, and then I went to warder school. From nine? From nine. To how old? Fourteen. Oh, so it was like a middle school warder? Well, warder is a Catholic school. And I went to Tisbury school until I was nine, and then the the priest, of course, got on to mum and said, don't you think she should be going to a Catholic school? So, of course, I was moved
1: Oh, I see.
3: But I I liked Tisbury School and I I lost a lot of good friends in going to Water because lots of Water children were from other villages, you know.
0: I see, and your
3: family were Catholic, they so were. yes, yeah. And Water School, of course, had the nuns. When I went to school there, and they were the old-fashioned nuns. They had uh, the big white—I uh, don't know what you actually call them—the big white hats, big butterfly pieces used to pin at the top, you know. Yeah, so you didn't need to get near them or they'd poke your eye out. Now were they did
0: those nuns (laughs) live up behind? They lived in what
3: was the convent, which is now a private house. Right.
0: Were they nice to
3: you at school? No. I was not a (laughs) favourite. There were favourites, but I wasn't one. Right. Most definitely not. No. I think we had three at school and then of course they had various ones. Stood the convent, you know. Yeah. Um, running the convent. Yeah. Uh, no, they weren't pleasant by any means. They'd whack you if they had any half a chance, and punish you in any way they could if they had half a chance. Mm. And I, I had the cane once for something I didn't do, and I never forgot it. And and then at 14, was that the end 14, of your... 14, that was it. And then were you expected to go out to work? Yes, yes. Finished school... Well, I say I was 14. I was because we finished school for the summer holiday in July and I was 15 in the August. I was spoiled, really, because I was allowed to have the six-week school holiday before I started work. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started work. Uh, my first job, actually, was up at Cranbourne Chase, the... Um, What is now the uh, apartments, the Newcastle, what is now the apartments up there, was uh, a girls' school. So I started work there in the kitchens. How was that? Oh, it was quite all right, yeah, it was quite all right, sorting out all the crockery and getting prepared for dinners and things like that. Uh, I stayed there probably a year or 18 months and then I went to the
0: laundry. How did you get to work from Tisbury? Over there. I think
3: they used to collect us in a van to oh, begin with. And then I bought myself a little Honda, Honda 17 motorbike. Did you? And I used to go up on the motorbike, which was fine in the summer, mm. but in the winter, not so good, especially when you met the parameter traffic coming into Tisbury. Tisbury. Oh, and icy roads, so that wasn't so good. And at this time, you were still living at home with your parents? yes. Yes, I always lived at home with my parents. My first wage was one pound 10 shillings, which is one pound 50p today. Okay. But the 10 shillings went a long way then. So I gave mum the 10 shillings and I kept the pound. And with the pound, of course, you could go to Salisbury and you could buy, say, a new top or a, a small record. Or, and we used to smoke and we used to drink and we did all that <laughs> on the pound. Marvellous, isn't it?
2: Follow us
1: on Instagram
2: at TisTalkRadio. Last week we talked about the station works and the appeal that Protect Tisbury is doing, which is a crowdfunding appeal. Let's have an update from Simon Davison, Chair of the Parish Council.
1: It's been fantastic. As we speak, the total donated stands at about £8,000. This is in three days. Some people have given thousands, some a tenner, but it's all valuable because it really shows the strong level of feeling right across the community. Um, So we're getting close to the £10,000 target, but as we said at the launch, we have a stretch figure of £15,000 because the more we can raise, the better. So if you are thinking of donating, please visit our crowdfund site by going on Facebook or next door and searching for Protect Tisbury. We are raising money to defend our neighbourhood plan and you can find all the information you need there.
2: Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. And now the Watsons listings with Liz Cole-Camp. It's half term this week, and if you've got youngsters
4: visiting Tisbury over the holidays, don't forget we've got a great free skate park up behind the swimming pool and the NADA Centre. Also, if you have children aged five and under, Soft Play is now open all week, including the weekend, at the NADA Centre this week. It's £2.50 for members and £3.50 for non-members, and you do need to book in advance, so contact the NADA Centre. Tisbury Youth Club gets together on Tuesday nights from 5 till 7 o'clock at their clubhouse up behind the swimming pool. And that's for ages 10 to 18. Contact the Zita Hooper on 07840 90 76 98 or go to the Tisbury Local Youth Network's Facebook page for more info. On Wednesday, Tisbury History Society's AGM is at the Hinton Hall. It starts at 7 o'clock and the bar opens at 645 there will be two half-hour talks on interesting family histories, one from Martin Charcross on the ghost house at Woolmead Farm, and local resident Phil Bucksh who will be talking about his West Indian grandparents, one of whom was a snake dancer. Friend Joe Nash is running a children's holiday workshop from 2 to 4 in the afternoon on Wednesday, the 15th of February, at St. John's Church in Hinden. Booking is essential, and you need to call Joe on 0174 seven eight seven one eight two zero this free memory group meet up on wednesday in the hinton hall from 10 till 12 noon and there's tea coffee and cakes served everybody's welcome the group is also looking for volunteers to help out indoors and in guys patch community garden need to contact Anne marie on zero double seven zero four seventy eight thirty seven forty two The Barber of Seville is being live-streamed from the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden on Wednesday night. It's in the Victoria Hall at the New Vic at Tisbury. The performance starts at 7 o'clock, doors and bar open at 6.30 and tickets are £12.50 for adults, £7 for students and they're available on the New Vic Tisbury website or you can call 0300 302 3090. Tisbury Horticultural Cultural Society have their AGM on Wednesday night at 7.30 in the evening. It's at the Methodist Hall. And this is your opportunity to join the best gardening club in South West Wiltshire at a great value price, £10 for the entire year. On Thursday at 7 o'clock... It's Tisbury Natural History Society's AGM as well, and that's in the Victoria Hall, New Vic at Tisbury. It's followed by a talk at 7.30 on hedgerows from Megan Gimber from the People's Trust for Protected Species. The doors open in bar at 6.45 in the evening, £2 for guests, free for members. For mums and dads with babies and toddlers, Tisbury Tots meets every Thursday from 9.45 in the morning to quarter to 12. It's at the Hinton Hall by St. John's Church. It's £2 per child, and you do need to bring your own reusable cup with lid for teas and coffees. There's more info on the Tisbury Tots Facebook page. And finally on Thursday night, Tisbury Youth Club also gets together for a social from 5.30 to 8pm, and it's for all ages between 10.00. Don't forget, Tisbury's Community Larder at the Youth Centre is open uh, all week, Monday to Saturday from 9.30 to 3.30, and Tuesday and Thursday, 9.30 to 7. It's stocked with uh, lots of food, uh, toiletries, winter clothing and blankets for people who may need something or would like to exchange or donate. Remember, there are free logs and kindling for local people and families. If you'd like some, contact Jackie at Seeds for Success dot org dot uk don't forget this saturday it's the tisbury country market from 10 till 11 in the morning at the victoria hall in the new at tisbury along with delicious locally produced food arts crafts and plants it is the place to buy your spring plants you need to contact dawn wilton if you'd like to order produce on 01963 37 and for general information, it's 07720 34 59 50. On Sunday, there is a matinee performance at two in the afternoon of the Barber of Seville. And that's live streamed into the Victoria Hall from the Royal Opera House in Covent Garden. Tickets are £12.50 for adults and £7 for students. And they're available on the New Vic Tisbury website or you can call 0300 302 hundred302 thirty. 90. There's an exhibition by the sculptor Brian Taylor at the Frink Studio in Sutton, Mandeville that opens this Friday and runs until the 31st of March. You need to contact Messums or go to the Messums website and you need to book in advance to see the exhibition. Well, that's all from me. Have a great week.
2: Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com.
0: Last week's bird was a robin. So listen now and see if you can figure out what this one is. That's all from us
2: this week. So we've been Mary Myers and Julianne Murphy and special contributor
0: Liz Cole-Camp. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on TisTalkradio at gmail.com.
2: You can listen every week to a new episode of tis Talk, and you can find any episode you've missed at Tistalk.buzzsprout.com.
0: You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for tis talk that's all one word. And also look out for us on the Nextdoor app. And now also
2: on Instagram on Tis Talk Radio. So do listen in next week for more stories from Tisbury. Bye-bye. Bye.